safe tanks, investments or warehouse, you know, places to put money are things like cash. Cash is pretty safe. Well, some would argue today that it's not keeping up with inflation and all of that, or they're printing so much of it that it's losing its value. Jim, what's up, brother? Here we are again. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Every day is a great day to be an American. Every single day. Well, guys, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy American Podcast. Our mission, our goal here, we know America is the best country in the world. You know America is the best country in the world. Our belief is that America is better with more citizens having more wealth, infused it into the economy, fires up our nation, and quite frankly, lives the American dream. So Jim, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we are going to talk about two places where we can open our mindset and our horizon as wealthy Americans for where we can save our money. And so we're going to build a box around these and we're going to talk about places where we can grow money that have potential for a higher rate of return, but are risky. And then another place where we can get market-like returns, but it's a little bit safer. So we're just going to talk about these two storehouses of where to save and accumulate money. How does that sound? I think, you know me, I love talking safe safe money accounts versus risky money accounts. And so looking at that, as you guys are picturing this inside of your head, I love what you said. Draw that box around it. We're going to talk safe money and risky money. So I think, Jim, let's talk first about kind of risky money, but probably I think more importantly, right? This is easy. A lot of people throw out like a lot of <laughs> descriptors out there like risky and safe and this and that and good and bad. And if you don't quantify it and qualify it, it means nothing. If we don't actually describe the terms that we're using, then it means nothing. And so when we talk about risky money, Jim, what would be some of the characteristics that we would look at for that? Well, I'm going to have to go to my definition of this, right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm sure if you Googled it or you looked it up, it could be you know different. But risk to me means that I could lose my money. I have no principal protection. Doesn't mean that's a bad thing, but I want to know going into, we covered in the last episode, right? Safety, liquidity, rate of return, and taxation. I want to make sure that if we're in a risk, risk tank place where we're going to put our money or that warehouse, if you will, has no protection of my money, but could have a return on it, just no return of it, if that makes sense. You cool? I'm cool. So the safe tank or the safe warehouse uh, and I think in terms of uh, tanks, just for, from a visual perspective, but uh, we can use warehouses or whatever. That is the place where we save money, where you can't lose principal. It's safe. It's insured. It's protected. Think of, a, of an FDIC account up to 250. The bank goes, un, goes under. Hopefully, the government steps in, prints enough money because that's all they're doing now, and then we get our money back. Or you have some form of insurance around your money that guarantees you're going to be preserved or protected on your principal. So to clarify, risk is I could lose all my money. Safe is I can't lose anything. Perfect. Well, and quick disclaimer, folks. So this is not financial advice. This show is not financial advice. Retirement planning, wealth planning, financial planning requires a trained professional who can get clarity into your specific situation. Clarity is power, but in order to get clarity, it has to be specific to your situation and circumstance. 
So these are concepts where you will become better educated on this. And what we're going to go through today is we're going to talk about walking into these two warehouses you could possibly enter. They're sitting there right the same. You got two doors. You can walk your money into one, you can walk your money into another. What's the difference between these two warehouses? And based on our experience, what do we pick when we think about this? And how do we think about risky money versus safe money? So now that we've, we're clear on that, and we got these two warehouses that we're looking at, Jim, if I'm looking at it, I got, I got a pile. I worked really hard this year. I saved my money. I lived dramatically under my means. And I'm looking at it. And I got, let's just say I worked really hard. Maybe you got a multiple family earner, all that stuff. I got a hundred thousand, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars just sitting here. And I like having that. I like having that security, but I know I probably should do something with this to grow it. And I got to, you know, store it somewhere. And so as I'm looking at that, why would anybody consider, right? Like what are the pros to that risky money warehouse? Great question. So the first thing that I think about in terms of where to put uh, money and just having this conversation um, is, uh, do I make money in a risk tank warehouse or a safe tank, safe warehouse? Um, the consideration that I that I filter through is answering the four you know questions. How safe is it? How liquid is it? What is the rate of return? It depends on what I'm going after. If I'm okay with the risk of the money and I understand the liquidity of it and the, the return is worth the risk, right? The juice is worth the squeeze. And I understand the taxes. And there are some incredible, you know, investments, things to consider putting your money in, in a risk tank, thing, a warehouse, like things like a variable annuities, precious metals, mutual funds, investment real estate, and EFTs, exchange traded funds. Those are some great examples of things that have no principal protection. They have um, some varying degrees of liquidity, not a whole lot, but they have a potential for a really good rate of return. And so what we, I know we, we've covered this in the past, but just as a refresher, we all only have so many doubles in our lifetime of money. And so if you don't know the rule of 72, and we haven't covered it, here, you, here it is again. If return is what you're after, you could take the number 72 divided by any interest rate that this investment is proposed to give you, and that will tell you how many years it will take for that investment to double. And so you have to know, is that worth the risk for what it is that you want to do. That's how I filter those. Yeah. And real quick, let's break that down in an example. You guys, a lot of our audience has probably heard the rule of 72, but if you haven't, and you, this is the first time here, and here's the easiest example of it. If somebody says, hey, you're going to get a 10% return on this, right? And you're accounting for taxes and all that stuff. A lot of them don't, but let's just say that it accounts for it. You're going to get a true 10% return on that net of fees and taxes and everything else. Now, if you're going to get a 10% return, that will take you 7.2 years to double your money. What about if I'm going to get a 7.2% return? How long does it take me? Well, 10 years, right? So this is how these interest rates come into play. But the thing that you also have to look at is not just in a tax-free, inflation-free, fee-free world. You have to look at it in true net of fees, net of taxes. That's where you're starting to compare apples to apples. And so usually a lot of people will look at this if they have a really long time horizon, Meaning like, man, you start investing at 20, you can ride out a lot of stuff. And so you got a few more doubles than somebody that is at, you know, in their forties with kids that are getting ready to go, you know, they're preparing for pay for college, right? They're preparing for weddings after that and all that stuff. My daughter's 
you know, we had our daughter way later in life. She's four, but like, these are things most of my friends are thinking about now that we're all in our forties, right? I just have happen to have, <laughs> I'll be the old dad at the high school. And so that's something to think about there. So those are the pros we talked about, Jim, of like, you might be able to get higher returns. There's a higher risk of loss, but you might be able to get higher returns with something that's a little bit more risky where that could make sense. What are some of the cons? Here's a good con. The double can only occur if you have uninterrupted compound interest. So if compound interest is interrupted in terms of a, of a, a loss in a given year, then that double, that 72 divided by the interest rate doesn't work. So definitely, you know, need, need to, uh, to know that. So there's a big con there to consider where if you know the rule of 72 and you're thinking about putting money into a, a risky, you know, investment where principal could erode, but the return might be worth it. Think about it in terms of over a 10 year time frame. I need this to double to have this be worth it. But if there's a year or two where I could not make money or lose money, well, then that double can occur, right? So there's a con that I would think everyone should should be thinking about as well, because uninterrupted compound interest is is um, is worth a lot of consideration. And maybe will we should amend the four rules and maybe maybe get a fifth one with regards to you know um, what is the rate of return in terms of that being guaranteed and or at risk as well. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think. If we tried to unpack all of our knowledge inside of rules, we could be at rule 96 in about a year, Jim. So I think maybe we just expand on those and give simple, easy to give frameworks for mental models to make our audience, our American citizens have really easy decision-making process inside of that. That would be my, my preference here. Now, there's something you and I talk about a lot as well, which is like, what does it actually look like to come back from a loss? So let's talk about that and let's expand on that a little bit. Yeah, um, that's a great that's a great one. And um, I always like to just have people um, think about it this way. If you had hundred thousand dollars, and um, I asked you what a hundred percent of a hundred thousand dollars is, what would you say? A hundred percent of a hundred thousand dollars is a hundred thousand dollars. Hey, bingo! All right. So, Will, if you took that hundred thousand dollars and you lost fifty percent, what would you have? I would have fifty thousand dollars. You fifty thousand? Yeah. There's definitely no trick questions here. Right, we all get this, but now you have fifty thousand. Let's say that you have a fifty percent return on fifty thousand. What do you have? Seventy-five thousand. Seventy-five thousand. So it's really, really important to realize that once we have a loss in our account, it usually takes a loss, a gain greater than the loss, to get back to even. So what we just explained that here, here's another good example. We take that hundred thousand dollar example, and we make a hundred percent on it. We now have 200,000. If we take that $200,000 and we lose 50% of it, we now have 100,000. If we take that 100,000, make another 100%, we have 200. Next year, we go down 50. We had four turns of 100% gain, 50% loss. What do we average? Well, we didn't make any money. We have our basis of 100,000, but we average 25% rate of return. And so really have to think about you know that in terms of once we experience a loss, not only do we, we interrupt compound interest, but we also have to have a gain bigger than the loss to get back to our basis. So really, really important you know, level of consideration. So inside of that risky warehouse, guys, what we're talking about, yes, there can, be, there can be big returns. There can also be big losses. And those are the pros and the cons. And then the other thing that we didn't mention here, we talked about in previous episodes, but we didn't mention here, which is the tax risk, right? If taxes go up in the future, Almost all those investments, for the most part, 
there's a few exceptions, but like they're, they're very nuanced exceptions. Uh, inside of that risky warehouse, you're going to pay ordinary income tax or capital gains tax. And if you think, you know, like a lot of you know, David Walker and, and some of the prominent folks that have been in the government and studied this stuff left, right, and center, and that's their whole life, if you believe that taxes are going to go up, you're exposed to a little bit more risk there as well. So that's our risky warehouse. Now, Jim, I'm sitting back here I'm going, all right, cool. I understand it. Thanks for explaining it. I still got my 100K that I've got just sitting here in a duffel bag. I got to walk this into one of these warehouses. Got to put, put it in there today. It just, it's weird me out walking around with the duffel bag. Tell me about this safe, safe money warehouse over here. What's going on with that? Yes, yes, yes. And I definitely would be remiss to fail to mention at this point that growing money in a risk tank that's taxable is a very expensive endeavor. There's lost opportunity cost that we didn't cover in that risk tank that is tremendous, tremendous, right? So that's another, that's the answer to the fourth question, right? Safety, liquidity, rate of return, and taxation. But in the risk tank, that's a big level of consideration. So safe tanks, um, investments or warehouse, you know, places to put money are things like cash. Cash is pretty safe. Well, some would argue today that it's not keeping up with inflation and all of that, or they're printing so much of it that it's losing its value. But historically, the, the US dollar has been pretty safe. Hopefully, you know, people agree there. So I can put that in a savings account making 0.002%. Yeah. Point nothing. Uh, and that's a pretty safe place to put it. But what's the con of that? I'm not making any money on that and I'm not keeping up with inflation. And it's taxable. And that point zero 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 two is also taxable, right? <laughs> so what are, what are my other rooms inside of that safe warehouse? Good one. So inside that warehouse, there are many rooms. There are uh, CDs. CDs um, is uh, also another taxable, you know, place to put into a safe, you know, uh, room. If it's taxable, why is it still safe? Why are we still considering that a safe place? Great question, because the principle is protected. So you have a um, up to the FDIC, you know, limit, $250,000 currently. Um, the FDIC, in the event that the bank goes under, the FDIC steps in and gets that done. So that's why I put that into the safe warehouse. Principal protection there. And if we zoom out a little bit and we talk about kind of the characteristics of safe, what we're really talking about, guys, for those of you guys that are listening, taking notes and are going, hey, tell me, you guys did characteristics last first. Let's bring you back to it over here, which is this, right? I'll give you a great example of this. So I'll skip the story for today. I'll, I'll keep this because Jim's on a roll here. Maybe we'll circle back to it later. Here's the characteristics of your safe warehouse. It's going to mean that your principal is protected. So the money that you're putting in, you can't lose. Two, you're also typically with almost every safe investment, there are a few things that break this. For the most part, you're going to have more access to it, aka liquidity. That's what we mean when we say liquidity is you can access that if you need it. The other things that we're going to look at, um, rate of return is where this varies widely amongst the different safe options. And so when we're talking about, and Jim's getting into a lot of the different things in there, right? We're talking about tax risk, market risk, but there is one more consideration in that safe tank, which is like, what is the rate of return coming back to Jim's four questions that he wants to turn into five, but folks, I'm not going to let him. We're sticking to four. Or 96, right? We can keep on going. Exactly. So Jim, now that we've covered some of the characteristics if you have anything to add, certainly add it on there. But once we're past the characteristics, let's go to the different types of things 
both in terms of risk and in terms of return. So uh, I'll cover the, the the latter, which is cash, CDs, and this is in the safe warehouse, places to put money, right? Then you have fixed indexed annuities, which is like a CD, but at an insurance company. And then you have money market funds, right? So pretty safe. And then you have uh, savings accounts, which could be, you know, just like a check-in and savings, you know, account. Um, and then you have permanent life insurance contracts, which is another place to to save money. So I'll recap. In your risk warehouse, you can put uh, money in exchange-traded funds, investment real estate, mutual funds, precious metals, and variable annuities. Those are risk places. Those are all rooms inside of a risk warehouse. In the safe warehouse, you have cash, CDs, fixed annuities, money markets, permanent life insurance, and savings accounts. Yeah, and I think one of the things to note inside of there uh, that we talked about, like what is the potential upside? Because you may be hearing this and going, man, you guys just said I got 0.0002% return on that savings. Why would I put it in there when I want to make money on my money? And you would be right. Your next level up is going to be kind of like CDs, stuff like that. There are even some savings accounts out there that I've seen that are offering like 4%. We'll see how long that lasts. CDs, the rates are coming up as well. Sign of inflation, stuff like that. If you look at a lot of the markers, um, but within that- and Money markets. Exactly right. Money markets. And then we start to go up and up from there in terms of returns, right? So- now, if we look at something like a private reserve strategy, especially, and you can use a lot of different things for private reserve, but if we're using a fixed indexed annuity, which by the way, if you have heard that and do not know what it is, it would make sense. I didn't know what it was for years. And I heard this thing and I was like, annuities, yeah. And I had no idea what it was. All an annuity is, is a lot of them can be built if you have enough time for growth or you can give it for stable income. And so you can set it up where it can grow alongside the market, but it can't lose the money, but you, it, it only goes up so high, but then it provides a stream of income for you later in life. The kind of permanent life insurance, when we look at kind of private reserve strategy, stuff like that, these are super variable and it really depends on what your goals are as well as the timeline that you have as to if what would be the right thing for you and if it would be the right thing for you. But those are interesting because you can't lose money on them and on a lot of them, especially if we look at, I would say the average illustration and the way that they truly perform, you can usually earn about up to about nine and a half, ten percent 10%, depending on who you're with, stuff like that. And so these are a lot of things where it's like, they're liquid, you can access them. The private reserve strategies that we tend to use inside of the safe warehouse, uh, we keep the government as much as possible out of your accounts, right? We don't want to risk that. We don't want you to have to have, be at the risk of a bunch of politicians that are responding to their constituents to try to get reelected. And a lot of them have their own best interests at heart over yours. Right. And we want to make sure that you can receive uninterrupted compound interest, but a high enough growth rate that it makes sense. That's the perfect blend in terms of a private reserve, or at least the one we tend to look at. It's what I have set up for me and my family. It's what Jim has set up for him and his family. And then we have conversations with our clients as to what makes the most sense for them. So these are the characteristics, guys. We got our risky warehouse. Man, you can have some upsides. Woo, you got to be willing to ride that roller coaster, right? And as we talked about, way harder to come back from those losses. You got to earn double what you did previously. Now, and a lot of times they're not super liquid, meaning you can't really access them. 
We exit that warehouse and we look over at our safe warehouse over here. That safe warehouse, you got protection of the money that you put in, which is called protection of principle. In a perfect world, we're going to get a decent rate of return on there. And depending on what you use, what sort of you know strategies, solutions, products, whatever you want to call it in there, right? you can get pretty decent market returns and then also be protected from tax risk and keep the government outside of your accounts. So Jim, I think we've covered kind of the, the risky warehouse and the safe warehouse pretty well here. What are your last kind of closing thoughts here? I would just say that, uh, you know, follow the, follow the rules. There's no right or wrong place to, to store your money. There's just things to consider based off of what it is that, you know, you're trying to achieve, right? And uh, for me personally, I like uh, the return of my money is more important than the return on it. I'm not one to chase returns at all, ever. I will definitely make a an investment decision or a savings decision on an account that has the potential. Um, and let's think about that. Potential. All the accounts we just talked about have a greater return potential. There's very few that have a guaranteed anything, right? The only thing that can be guaranteed and insured really is the principal, right? So the return is really relative. But I think uh, you know, just going into where to save your money, where to invest your money, safety, liquidity, rate of return, and taxes. If you filter your decision based off of those um, and all of the options that we've covered today in both of the warehouses, y'all will be good to go and on your way to becoming a wealthy American. Well said, my brother. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging with us. We are on a mission to make sure that more Americans are armed with the knowledge, inspiration, the stories, and the tactics to be able to set themselves up for the best possible position to be a wealthy American. And thank you for taking that ride with us. If you like this kind of content, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that good stuff. And if you're one of our audio-only listeners, if you could do us a favor. We spent a long time getting this content ready, pouring it out there. We're never going to charge anything for this stuff. Probably never do ads, any of that stuff, because we want this to go out to every American possible. And so if you can not only like subscribe, hit the notification bell, but also give us a five-star review on the platform that you're listening to, we would be eternally grateful, not only because we get a five-star review, but because it'll help somebody else find this show. Because most people will just search wealth or how do I make more money or whatever it is. And then they will 100% listen to the first couple episodes based on those reviews. And your review will help more people see this and arm more Americans with that knowledge. So thank you for being a part of this from the bottom of our heart. We love you guys and we'll see you soon.